So a lot of you know this already, but for those of you that don't, um, I grew up in a small town, and I actually went to, I grew up Catholic, and I went to a Catholic grade school. And I've got a lot of memories. You've heard probably too many of them, but I've got a lot of memories from, from grade school. And uh, the pivotal grade for me was fourth grade when I was 10 years old. And probably the two biggest memories of my entire grade school career came out of fourth grade. Uh, one of them was when I, I, uh, I, gosh, how can I say this? I inadvertently uh, passed gas in front of the class and ruined my life forever. That's one of them that you're not going to hear about, so praise God for that. The other one you're going to hear about is when we were having religion class. And Father Thury, who was the priest, was in teaching class to us 10-year-olds. And he was preaching this day on eternity, talking about heaven and hell and that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know if it was Q&A time or if I just got excited and put my hand up early, but, but I had my hand up and he called on me. And I asked him a question that I believe I knew the answer to, but I just wanted to hear him say it. So I said, Father Thury, I said, like, do more people go to heaven or hell? And he said to me, he said, Monty, and I can almost say this is a quote from him. It's so ingrained in me. He said, the, the road to heaven is narrow and rocky. Few find it. The road to hell is wide and easy, and many go there. And I sat there thinking to myself, certainly he's transposed that information right certainly he's got like i don't know if the i don't know if the, our priest got into the communion wine before this or something but something's amiss something's wrong with what he just said there because that doesn't seem right to me he it should be flipped and, and he, here's what he told me he gave us a scripture that he was referring to and i never got in the bible as a kid but i did that night because he gave, me the, gave us the scripture that we could reference. And I went home and I looked up the scripture, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And this is what it said. It was actually Jesus speaking, so he was, he was paraphrasing Jesus. And Jesus said, uh, and on the Sermon on the Mount that he gave this day, he said, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. And I'm like, wow. So, so if you think about it, I mean, ACDC, they got it right. There's a highway to hell. And not to be outdone, Led Zeppelin also got it right. There's only a stairway to heaven. Man, they're being prophetic and they didn't even know it. So, so here's the thing. According to the scripture, most, we know, we, Jesus said where most will go. Um, but yet, if you ask me or ask many Americans, uh, we would say, no, we're on the, we're on the, we're on the stairway. We're, we're doing good. In fact, seven out of ten Americans would tell you that um, they're, they're a Christian. So 70% of Americans today would say, I'm, I'm a Christian. But the thing is, how do you define that? Like, I don't even know what it means anymore. And I'm convinced if you ask ten people, what's your definition of a Christian, you probably get ten different answers. Like, you'd hear things like, well, a Christian believes in God, right? Uh, a Christian is a good person. Uh, a Christian is one that goes to church. Uh, a Christian is one, they just listen to worship music in their car. You know, worship bands like ACDC and Led Zeppelin and, you know, Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Motley Crue shouting at the devil. We could be getting carried away here. So, but, or, or they have a, a cross tattoo or they have a, a fish decal on their car. And what, what's, I mean, there's so many different, you, you'd get 10 different answers. I am convinced of it. So 7 out of 10, 70% would say that. 
I don't believe that Christianity, even though those stats say 70% and that's the majority, I don't believe Christianity is the majority religion in America. Uh, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's certainly not Hinduism, it's certainly not Buddhism, it's certainly not New Ageism, it's not atheism. Um, I believe the number one religion in America, for sure, isn't Christianity, but it's cultural Christianity. So let, let, me, let me kind of explain, because you're like, well, what, what is that? It's a good question. So cultural Christianity is somebody who admires Jesus, they even believe in Jesus, but they haven't surrendered to Jesus. See, that was me most of my life, a cultural Christian. Like, cultural Christians, um, how can I say this? They're not atheists or agnostic. Like, if you called them that, they would be offended. That is not who they are. They're, they're well, they're a lot like you and I. They live in suburbia, middle class, uh, good people. They go to church. They believe in God. Um, they have great traditions when it comes to Christianity. This time of year, they're putting up nativity scenes in the lawn and putting up lights to celebrate the birth of baby Jesus. And uh, uh, tradition might be at, e or at Christmas as they huddle around the TV on Christmas Eve and they listen to Linus give the Christmas story and Charlie Brown Christmas. And it's amazing. Th that's, that's a cultural Christian. They're hanging out with neighbors, doing, doing a grill out, watching the game. Not bad people. This is the majority of people. Again, it was me. Here's what I think, and this is why this, this, this series, The Unsaved Christian, is so uh, personal to me, is because looking back in my 20s, uh, that was me, and I had no idea. And, and according to a scripture I'm going to read to you in about six minutes, you're going to see that, that many people have no idea. It's going to blow you away. It's one of the... Jesus says all kinds of crazy stuff in the word, but what he says here in a few minutes, I don't know if I've heard anything as crazy as what he's about to say. But before we get there, I want, I want you to think about something. When you think of a missionary, like someone that's going to go out and reach people, like what comes to your mind? I think for a lot of people, if you, you hear the term missionary, you're thinking of somebody that they're going to go to some fo foreign country or third world country and they're going to you know, go find a, a tribe of people and they've never heard the, the name of Jesus. They've never heard the good news. And, uh, and that, that would be awesome. And that's great. In fact, as a pastor, that's, I love that. When people come into the church in the meadows here or, or they're watching online and they've never heard the good news of Jesus, they, 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 they've never experienced a church before. I love it because you're just starting from a fresh, you know where you're starting from. This might blow you away. You know what I also love? I also love when people come to the church and they're blatantly not a believer. Like, I'm, I'm, I love that. Because, again, you're starting from a place of reality. You know where they stand. When I was a campus pastor um, in Sioux Falls before we moved to the Omaha area, I'll never forget... Uh, at, at our location, a girl that attended the, the location came, and she came this one Saturday night with a guy. And uh, obviously, they were just starting to date or something, and he, he was not a believer, and he let me know that. And, uh, but she was, and her criteria, ladies, lean, lean into this, because her criteria was, you want to date me, you're going to get at least introduced to Jesus. So she brings him, and, and he was very, not, not rude, but he, you know, he, he basically, you know, he didn't believe. So we get done with church service that night, and I walk right up to him afterwards, and I'm like, so, so what do you think about this whole Jesus thing? And he's like, it's, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then, but you know what he said right after that? He said, but I'll, I'll see you next Sunday. And I'm, I'm, I thought to myself, you darn right, you, if you want to see her next Sunday, you'll see me next Sunday. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, whatever it takes. So I don't know how that ended up, but 
Um, anyway, so, but, but, but what I appreciate about that guy is he didn't sugar, like, he just told me, I, I, this is stupid, I don't, I, this is dumb, this guy rising from the dead and dying, I don't, he, he didn't buy into it, because we, it, we, you, you got to know where you're at. I, I think sometimes we think, especially in America, we just got done voting this last week and stuff, and people vote their values, and that's awesome, and you should vote, I believe. Um, so, but I think if you think about the United States and you say, what's the most lost states or the most jacked up states in the, in, in, in the United States, and we're going to look to the weirdos in California, the radicals in New York, the liberals that are in Washington and Oregon, but they're not the toughest people to reach. Do you know who the toughest people to reach are? Here, people in the Bible Belt or people in the Midwest, and, and the reason I tell you that is, much of this series come, came from my background and how I was raised and and what happened to me at a young age, like in the fourth grade. But it also stemmed from some books and studies that I've done. And one of the books I read in pre- preparation for this. Um, these two pastors were talking, and they were friends. One was a pastor in the Midwest. They're both from the Midwest. One moved to California to be part of a church, and he came back to visit, and they're talking, and the one guy from the Midwest says, man, I bet it's hard to reach him in California. And he said, no, it's, he said, it's really not. And here's what he said, and I, I quote, he said, in California, there's rarely confusion. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. But in the Midwest... Many people think they're Christian, but have no concept of the severity of sin, the necessity of repentance, the message of the gospel, and the grace of God. Oh, sure, they know the song Amazing Grace, but the issue is they can't tell you why that grace is so amazing. That's what he said, and that just, that just hit me because that was like reading me. So I'm, I, even before we get to the main scripture, i got to give you one of our main points. The reason why many of us are the most difficult to reach or, or people are so difficult to reach, I want to say just like I put it down, the most difficult people to reach are the people that think they've been reached. By far. Who did, think about this, who did Jesus struggle with the most in Scripture? It wasn't the blatant non-believer. It wasn't the, the horrible sinner that's, that's, that's heinous and doing horrible things. He loved them and walked with them, but the biggest contention he had were the people that were convinced they were, they were close to God. They were convinced they were walking with God. It was the, it, so think about that for a second. The people that were convinced, they were on a stairway to heaven. So this brings us to a scripture. Earlier I read to you Matthew 7, 13, and 14. That is the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, in that same chapter, Jesus continues, and a few verses later, he, he gives one of the most telling things you'll ever, you'll ever hear him say. This is what he says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. That is, and notice it doesn't say, you know, a couple people are going to come to me and think they're good to go, but they're not. Uh, uh, some people are going to come to me and think, we did, we did all these things, and, 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 you know, where's the stairway? No, no, no. Many, say many. Many are going to come to me 
thinking, I'm on a stairway and then I, Jesus is going to point me to a highway. And, and, and it, I don't want, I don't, man, I don't want this scripture to, well, it, it, it's, it is scary for some people and, and should be maybe. But Jesus, why would he say this? He desperately wants us to know something. See, I, so back to me. I was convinced, I've always believed in Jesus. I, I have. And always believed in the things that it says in the Bible. I have. And I was convinced I am good to go. I went to that. I, went, I grew up in a Catholic grade school. I was in church not just Sundays, but Tuesdays and Fridays and Sundays. And I, uh, I, was, I was confirmed and I was baptized. And I, first communion in the second grade, I drank the wine. I'm not sure we should be drinking wine in second grade, but I did. And it was terrible. Man, that's one thing I hope, hope, I hope the Catholic Church has figured that out. Because, man, they need to upgrade. The, it was so, I've never drank paint thinner, but I have to think that it rivals that. It's, maybe they did that so the altar boys wouldn't like, be sneaking wine. If that was the case, it worked. I, wasn't, I didn't want to touch it. So, anyway, so, but I did, I, I was so convinced that, that I, I was this, this Catholic kid who, who, and I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I didn't, wasn't, wasn't worshiping Allah or Buddha. I was in, like I said, I was in church all the time. But again, let's go back to what we said earlier. The hardest people to reach are the people that are convinced they've been reached. You would never have convinced me at 25 years old, Monty, you're, there's, Jesus said this, and you're on, the, you're on a highway, not the stair. I'd be like, what are you talking about? No, 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 you're wrong. I, you would never convince me of that. You know what had to happen to me? I had to get lost. Here's what I believe for many people, and many could be you. We have to get lost before we can get found. If that makes sense. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get lost. Tell your neighbor, you need to get lost. Now, now turn to your other neighbor and say, you know what? You can stay. I like you. So, tell you know, you get lost. No, you've got to get lost. You've got to get lost before you can get found. When Jesus said that crazy thing in Matthew 7 about many, were, many will say this, he wasn't, he wasn't talking to the atheist or the agnostic. He wasn't talking to the, 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 the pluralist or the, what did I write down, the, the agnostic or the pluralist or the secular humanist. I put. He was directly describing moral and religious people doing very good things. That's what blows me away. Like these people, Jesus didn't dispute what they said. We did miracles. Jesus didn't say, no, you didn't. He didn't dispute it. But, but we cast out demons in your name. He didn't say, no, you didn't. So, I mean, think about that. When is the last time you've done a miracle in Jesus' name? When is the last time, like, you've casted out a demon? You know? The closest I came was just last week when Ava had her boyfriend over, and I, asked, I told him it was time to go. I'm like, you know what? It's after 10 o'clock. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It's time to go. So, um, that's the closest I've came. I, these Think about this. How can a person have that kind of power and still be lost? Judas, here's some, something you can research. I'm not, I'm not going to give it to you. I'd like you to do your a little homework. Judas isn't in heaven. I can tell you that for a fact. The word of God says it. I won't tell you where. You can look it up this week. Um, Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Judas, Judas did miracles. Judas was given power to cast out demons, and he's not in heaven. How do you know that? Well, I don't know if I put this scripture up there, but Matthew 10.1, Jesus called the 12 disciples together. He gave them authority, the 12 disciples, that includes Judas, to cast out demons, to cast out evil spirits, to heal um, every kind of disease and illness. Judas had that power in him, and they went out and they did it. 
So why do I say all that? Just because you do something good for God doesn't mean you know God. That's big. Just because you do things for God doesn't mean you know God. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Now, for us today, what would that look like? We might say something like, if we were uh, facing Jesus face-to-face on Judgment Day, we might say something like, Lord, we, we prayed before meals. Lord, we believed in God. Lord, we voted our values. Lord, we went to church. Lord, we gave financially. Lord, look at, look at all we did. We, I got confirmed. I got first communion. I got baptized. Look what we did. And that's what they kept saying. We prophesied. We did this. And as I put the message together, it hit me. That was the problem. Did you catch it? We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Look what we did. Here's what they should have been saying. Look what you did. Jesus, look what you did. Look at your sacrifice for us. Look at your love. Look at your mercy. Look at your, look at your grace. Oh, that amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I'm telling you, it's not about what we've done. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. They're all about the we. There's nothing you can do in and of yourself to, to go on the stairway. That's what they missed. So crazy. They knew all about religion. They just didn't know Jesus. Actually, you could even say this. You could say religion was their enemy. Because it was their religious pedigree, it was their religious resume that, that, that made them so convinced that they were good to go. The we instead of he. I've never, I, it's never hit me like that before, but it did here. So we know that like if you continue that scripture or just go back to the scripture, that main one that we read. So who are the ones that are taking the stairway? Remember what Jesus said? He said, only those that actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter, will go on the stairway that leads to life. So how do we know the will of the Father? Like that, you just heard Jesus say, if you're doing the, if you're doing the will of my Father, you're gonna be, you'll, you'll there you go. Into the, into the pearly gates. How, what's the will of God? How do we know that? So, I'll, t- I'll tell you from my experience, and this studies will tell you the same thing. There's many different ways that God will speak to you, but to know what somebody wants you to do, whether it's your spouse, or your parents, or your kids, or whatever it is, to know what they want to do, what do you have to do? You, you gotta talk to them. They've gotta communicate and tell you clearly what they want you to do. That's my will. Clean your room. That's my will. Do your homework. Whatever it is. So to know God's will, you certainly have to hear from God. The number one way to hear from God is is for God to speak to you. And how would God speak to you? Through the word of God. The word. The speaking of God. I said it this way. The number one way to know God's will is by reading God's word. It's the number one. It's not the only way, but it is the number one way. I, I promise you, when you open the word of God, God will open his mouth. It is how I got called into ministry. It is how uh, Meadows Church got its vision. It is how we got our name. Everything what was through the word of God. So, whoa, 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 pastor, are you saying that, like, if I don't ever read the word, then, then I'm not going to know the will of God. And then if I don't know the will of God, then I'm going to be going on this, this highway. 
well, I'm just saying this. Let, let me use me for an example again. Say I, say I, at 25 years old, when I was this cultural Christian, and, and I step out in traffic, and I get, I get creamed by a bus. Okay, I don't like that example. So let's say, let's say I die peacefully in my sleep. Okay, I like that better. So I, I die peacefully in my sleep, and I meet Jesus, and Jesus is like, all right, well, all right, here we go, and let's see you know, how you did with my Father's will, because those who do the will of the Father uh, enter into heaven. And he's looking. He's like, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Oh, boy. Got some issues there. Okay, yeah. Oh, I see here that you were, you were in the book. And I'm like, I was? <laughs> he's, I'm like, yeah, 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 I was. He goes, you were in the book a lot. And I'm like, uh, like God's word? He's like, no, 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 not, 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 not his book, but, but Facebook. You were in Facebook like every day. You were taking in information. You were giving information. You were soaking in opinions and what other people thought and what you thought. You were giving it to them. And you knew the will of the world, but you didn't know the will of the Father. And here's what I would say. Stats tell you that 11% of, of, of Americans are in the word of God on a regular basis, on a daily basis. 11%. Um, the vast majority are not. Um, I have another stat that I thought. Oh, 80%, 70% say they're Christian. 80% believe in God. So 8 out of 10 believe in God. Um, but, but look what the stat says. This blows me away. But only 56% believe in the God as described in the Bible. So even the ones that are maybe in the Bible or glancing at it, are now redefining what that means. What, what they're saying there is, and by the way, if you, if, if you don't believe the God of the Bible, I don't know where you're getting your definition of God from then, because that's where we get our definition of who God is. So 11% reading daily, 80% believing in God. It's just the stats are, are, are crazy. Take the stats all away. Here's what I will tell you. The more that I read God's word and get God's word into me, the more that the more that God that comes out of me. And, and, and I tell you this, the, the, the religious people that thought they knew God, you know what Jesus told them? He said, you know what your problem is? You don't know scripture. And that would offend them because no one memorized scripture more than them. No one uh, memorized the Old Testament more than them and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They could, and, and, and they knew it here, it just wasn't real here. See, this was the, the heart was the issue. And Jesus said, you don't, you don't know. Remember, remember what he said in scripture? I never knew you. You don't know me. Oh, you know about me. You, you've memorized some words about me, but it's not, it's not in the heart. You don't know scripture. That's why I always say, and if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one, a, a nice study Bible. Um, but 10 minutes a day in the word of God, 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. And, and a life group will help you do that. We have life groups that we, we point people to. Why? Because we want to help get you in the word of God. We want to help surround you with other people that will get you into scripture. Because the more you get into scripture, the more you know the will of God. And the more that you can live it out, it is so huge. So, so pastor, are you saying that we're saved by what we do? We do the will of God and that gets us into heaven. Well, that's what Jesus said. But understand something. The doing is the byproduct of the belief. So I'll say it a different way. You're saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe. That's what saves you. But, but the, the definition of belief, the biblical definition of belief is different than what we think. 
Our belief is, well, I just believe he's a real person. I believe this event happened. And that's great. That's a starting point. But biblical belief, here's how I wrote it down. Biblical belief, I got to find it. Biblical belief isn't just something that we confess with our mouths. It's something that we confess with our lives. Big difference. It's not just something that we confess with our mouth. It's something that we confess with our lives. And the test is living it out. That is the test. Are we living it out? It's, it's not what you say. It's not what you know. It's not what you memorize. It's not what you believe. Because faith in and of itself is worthless. In fact, the word of God says, faith without works is what? See, you even know it. So, so the faith has is, is, is got to be there. But if it's not producing something, it's a false faith. Th th those people, something about their faith was not real. It, it wasn't. Jesus knew it. And he called them on it. So, and this was me. I believed all my life. I just, wasn't, I just wasn't living it. I had a Bible. I just wasn't reading it. I would tell you I am saved. I just hadn't surrendered. That was me. I wanted to live differently, but I kept doing the same old thing. Day after day, week after week. Why? Because I was convinced that I was good to go, but I had to get lost before I could be found. Here, here's the big question that I, that I really want you to ask yourself in an honest way. It's, it's been a week, before, before I even get to it, it's been a week because I, I've been praying for you because this might be the most, this might be the most impactful series we'll ever, we, we've done up to this point. And, and the reason why is because, well, just what Jesus said, so many people, believe that because of this or I've done this or I've been there and I've had that happen to me that, that I'm somehow okay and, and, and there's a good chance that you might not be like I was. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm just asking you to ask the question. And here, here's how, here's, here's a litmus test. Ask yourself this, has my faith in Christ really changed my life? I mean, really, like, you know. I'm not just talking about, well, I, I'm pretty sure I'm changed. Like, pastor, you know, normally I, I use the F-bomb about 45 times a day, but I'm down to 42, you know, it's, I'm doing better. I'm not, I'm not talking about little tweets. I'm talking, you'll know. Has my faith in Christ changed my life? Is it changed, is it changed the way I interact with my family? Is it changed the way that I maybe give financially? Has it changed the way that I reach out to somebody that I know that maybe doesn't believe? Has it changed the way that I interact at work with others? Has, I mean, has it really changed you? Because I believe this with all my heart. If your, if your faith hasn't changed you, your faith hasn't saved you. There's, there's no other way to say it. You cannot have the Holy Spirit in you and not change. That is impossible. It can't, that, that, he changes people. So, earlier I gave you a definition of cultural Christianity. I believe in Jesus. I admire Jesus. I have traditions. We do, I, I, I'm a good person. I just haven't surrendered my life to, I haven't surrendered to him. That's a cultural Christian. What's the true definition of Christianity? Luckily, I don't have to make that up. It's pretty clear in God's word. I could pick multiple scriptures and show you the definition of Christianity. I chose one to make it easy. Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, 
By the way, when Paul was killing Christians, understand something, he thought he was doing good for God. And you, you could not convince him otherwise. No, Paul, was, Paul was raised by the most, the, the smartest Pharisees. He was, he was the, one of the, he was the, he was the most religious person there was. And every Christian that Paul would have killed, he wasn't doing it because he was uh, against God. He was doing it because he was for God. Paul was convinced. He, he was close to God and he was so far away. And he had to get lost on a road to Damascus when he met Jesus face to face and he realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm lost. I can't believe it. That's what had to happen. God, give us a Damascus Road moment. The definition of Christianity, I picked Galatians 2.20. Paul wrote it. This is surrender, by the way. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me. I'm not, it's, not, it's not Monty anymore. But it's Christ that lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me. <coughs> this is crazy. Who loved me and gave himself for me. For me and for you. And he did. That's what's so amazing about grace. I'm not living anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. It's Jesus that's living in me. It's God that's living in me. That's, that's when you... That's surrender. It's not about what I want, God. What do you have for me? What do you want for me? Where do I go today? Who do I love today? Who do I give to today? Who do I care for today? That's what Paul started to do. That's a, that's a, that's the definition, definition of Christianity. You are living it out. When you've got the Holy Spirit in you and he did, and you've died to self and Jesus lives in you, you will start, I promise you, you will start to love differently. You will lead differently at home and at work. You will give differently. You will act differently. You will talk differently. And by the way, it's not that, that action part. It's not the action that saves you. I told you earlier, the action is a byproduct of God's amazing grace that is in you being lived out through you. That's what it is. The will of God. When you're, when you're changed, you will start to live the will. You'll, you, you'll want to get in the word more. You guys, I never dreamed I would be oh, excited about getting in the word of God. That would, that would be laughable to me earlier in my life. It would be. I would not waste my time. And I'm not perfect. Some days, some days I don't even get in it. But most days I do. And I look forward to it. And it nourishes me, and it guides me, and it will you too. The religious people missed it. If you're new, we're not a religious organization. That might sound strange, but <laughs> welcome to Meadows. You'll hear a lot more strange things probably, but we're just, we're, just a, we're just an organism, alive and breathing, body of Christ, focused on Jesus at the center, wanting to live his will in our lives, trying to die to self and live for him the best we know how. That's all we want. But all I know is this, religion, 
If you grew up religious, you, you probably already, hopefully you understand this, but religion, it was all about us. The, but the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's always all about Jesus. You see the difference, I hope. Religion is about what we did. We prophesied. We did miracles. We did this. We did that. Religion is about what we have done. The gospel is about what Jesus has done. Religion is Christ plus something. But the gospel is Christ plus nothing. Religion is about rules and burdens and bondage. But the gospel of Jesus is about grace, freedom, and life. Jesus didn't die to make you religious. He died to set you free. I believe there are very probable, many people watching right now and listening, and many people in the room, who if we peel back the layers, you may be a cultural Christian. I hope the Lord is showing you something today, that he has a path for you, a stairway for you, a beautiful stairway that he died for. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And I think I've gave this illustration once before, but it's the best I got about the grace of God and how unmerited and crazy it is as our father. I grew up and I, we partied a lot in a small town in South Dakota. And one Saturday afternoon, me and my friends were out doing things we shouldn't be doing. And uh, one of our friends was doing a little too much of it. And he was... This is right in the afternoon, and he was, he was in a very bad shape, very rough shape. You know, um, they call it to kill you for a reason. So he, he got a little bit too deep there. So we're like, oh, my gosh, he is in terrible shape. We can't just, we're trying to be good friends. We can't just leave the dude, like, laying in a field. That would be bad. So we're like, we haul him in a car, and we're going to bring him to his house. And we, we put him in the back seat. We're driving to the house, and we get to the house. And we're, the plan was this. We're just going to kind of bring him up. To, to, to the house and kind of just put them on the porch like an Amazon package and run, okay? That was the plan. Well, the plan didn't go as planned because when we got up to the porch and we put him down, his dad opened the door. And his dad was big. And when I say big, like, like he's the dad that, you know, he... and his dad opens the door and my first thought is we are dead. Like we're dead. He is gonna crush us like a bug. And there we are just standing there all wide-eyed, glassy-eyed. His son's laying here. And the first thing he looks at us, he goes, oh boy, looks like you boys had a little too much fun. I said, yeah, some more than others. But anyway, yeah, we, we're, and, and here's what he says. He says, thank you. And I was not expecting that. I was expecting a beat down or a chewing out or I'm going to call your parents and all this. And that's not what he said. He said, thank you for bringing my son home safely. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're welcome. As we're slowly backing away. And he was just so full of gratitude. And he gave us this grace. And all he kept doing was thanking us for bringing his son home. And I thought, I reflect back on that. And that's the grace of God. When we deserve to get chewed out, beat down, and, and punished, God shows us grace which made me write this down, and I've told you once before, but I love it so much because of the situation that I just told you about. Religion is like this. I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. 
That's religion. The gospel, grace, I messed up. I need to call my dad. I need to call my dad. I need to call my dad. That's a relationship. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We're saved by God's grace through faith when we believe. And when the Holy Spirit enters into you, he will change you. And you will start to seek God's will and live it out. Is it possible that you're a cultural Christian? Is it possible that you're believing the right things, but the heart, the heart's missing something? That was me. And I'm just wondering if it could be you. And I just want to give you an opportunity to surrender. To me, that's the key word. Surrender. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives. It's Jesus that lives in me. And you surrender to that will daily. Here's how you will know. Just look at the fruit. Do I get to serve or do I have to serve? Do I have opportunities to forgive or do I harbor unforgiveness? Am I excited about my faith? Do I want to share my faith or do I just shy away from that because it's too uncomfortable? Do I truly love to get nothing in return or do I love with kind of a conditional hook? Am I, am, I, am I generous with giving or do I want to keep for myself? Those are just little things that you can think about. I messed up. I need to call my dad. And some of you, that's where you're at. You know you've messed up. And the Father waits for you with arms wide open today, begging for you to come home, begging for you to run home, wanting to love you and accept you. He loves you so much. Despite what you've done, despite what you think you deserve, His grace wants to cover you. His grace wants to set you free. I'm excited about the next couple weeks we have in this series. But before that, we just need to focus on this moment. I'm going to pray for you. As I pray, I want you to know that we're going to sing and worship. The prayer team will come up after that, and we want to pray with you and for you. The prayer room over there is for more maybe intimate or private prayer. There's also communion in there if you want to have communion. I love you so much. I'm so grateful that someone showed me scripture about how lost I was because I didn't know it. I hope the word of God is piercing your heart, not in a convicting way, but in a loving way to draw you into the Father. He has such good things for you. He has such love and purpose for you. Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for this series. How many people are walking around believing, I'm good to go, I'm a good person, I'm a good parent, I'm, I'm a good neighbor. And here's the thing, it's all about I. I did this and I did that. And we forget that it's all about you and what you've done for us. And when we accept that and we surrender to it, you will start to manifest yourself in us 
through the Holy Spirit, and then, and then we truly get to live for you. Not just, not just kind of going through motions, but truly surrendering to you, God. I pray right now that you will show us if we are that person, this cultural Christian that is kind of picking and choosing the things that we want to do and don't want to do to make it comfortable for us rather than living all out for you. I thank you for your church, the bride of Christ. We're a flawed, we're a flawed community, God, you know that. But we love you and your son Jesus is the center of this church. And right now I'm praying boldly in the name of Jesus that anybody that needs to truly sell out, surrender, go from just believing from a a cognitive mindset to believing with a a surrender mindset, they, they they will go all out today. Call on your name, Jesus, and ask you to set them free, forgive their sins, and make them new. I pray they'll indicate it on a card so we know one can celebrate. I pray that they'll let a prayer team member pray with them and love them. I pray that no one will rush out of here right away, but they'll lean into somebody else and meet somebody today and love somebody today and pray with somebody today. Church isn't just something we do on a Sunday morning. God, we want you to be the center of all that we are. Thank you so much for your beautiful word. Oh my gosh, Jesus, the crazy things that you said, but they were so spot on. And you say I'm out of love. Everything you said, everything you taught was because you love us. Thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for your grace and your glory. Thank you that this world is not all there is. That you have prepared a place for us. That you died that we would go there. God, thank you for showing us the way. And dying so we could, so we could walk that way. We're eternally grateful. We love you so much. We pray in your name and the church says, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I wanna invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.